The grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The word of God we want to consider today is the beginning of our epistle reading for this past Sunday, which was the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. Again, remember, we're in that Epiphany season of the church here, following the worship of the wise men of the infant Jesus, that season of the church here in which we see Jesus manifested as the Son of God and Savior of the world. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 3 today, where Paul was inspired to write. Now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. My dear friends in Christ, Corinth was a place where there was a Christian congregation that was, oh, the whole area was troubled by really a total disregard for the sixth commandment, thinking about the Corinthian people, not the Corinthian congregation, although they were affected by the people around them. And now the people of Corinth, they had this total disregard really for the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And what that meant is that they didn't consider God's guidelines, rules for sex and marriage, something that needed to be followed. They were largely ignored. And that carried over into the idol worship that was there in Corinth. In Corinth, a big god there was Aphrodite, and she was well known for her temple and the temple prostitutes that they had there. And well, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, and the sixth commandment, therefore, were largely ignored. And the Corinthian congregation had that wickedness all around them, and it was constantly trying to mess them up and lead them astray. Our reading today tells us of a problem that existed in Corinth concerning that congregation because of that idol worship that were there. Corinth, many, many sacrifices were made there every day to Corinth's idol gods. But not all of the meat that was brought for sacrifices ended up being consumed. One part of the meat was consumed in the sacrifices. Uh, another part of the meat was given back to the person who brought the sacrifice so that they could use that in a cultic meal, a ceremonial meal. And then a third part of the sacrifice of the meat was given to the priests and their families. And what the priests and their families didn't eat, that was then taken to the local meat markets to be sold and to make money to provide for the priests and for the temple operations. That posed a problem that Paul addresses in our reading. Many Christians 
in the Corinthian congregations had been adherents to the pagan cults before their conversion. And now could those former pagans, now Corinthian Christians, could they continue to purchase meat from the public markets when maybe the meat that they purchased could have been used in idol sacrifices? Could they use that meat if it had been part of what was sacrificed to a false god without, re, without compromising their faith? Or if they did eat that meat, would that kind of make them also participants somehow or other in the idol worship themselves? Well, if you think back to Old Testament times, the Old Testament Jews, the Israelites, they were told that eating meat that had been involved in such, such sacrifices, that that was contrary to what God wanted them to do because God didn't want that to somehow or other pull them into idol worship. But were New Testament believers also forbidden from eating meat that had been involved in those idol sacrifices? Well, Paul said, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. When he says we all possess knowledge, he's saying that basically all Christians, whether they're weak or strong, are going to know that idols are really nothing, that they're a figment of somebody's imagination, that the Lord, he's the only true God. And since idols aren't real, it really doesn't matter if a person eats meat that had been sacrificed to an idol or not. However, the question that came up is, what about the Christian who in his mind questions this and, and his conscience maybe says to him, oh, this would be wrong. I don't want to be involved in that idol worship. Well, Paul says knowledge puffs up. The person who knows that idols aren't real, what he could tragically do is, well, maybe become a bit conceited and say to someone who isn't so sure that he should or shouldn't eat that meat that had been sacrificed to idols. He, he's saying, well, under those circumstances, Paul doesn't want the person who says, hey, what's the big deal? He doesn't want that person to hurt or harm the person who says, maybe this is a big deal because he doesn't know what's true. Well, that's why Paul says here, Love builds up. Instead of telling someone to do what his conscience is telling him not to do, we should always be trying to do what we can to build up and strengthen fellow Christians. Build them up, strengthen them, so that they know the truths of God's word. Paul says, The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know but the man who loves God is known by God. Here, what Paul is doing is he's encouraging us to not become conceited or think that we know everything, but instead always be concerned about loving God, 
and loving one another, our fellow man, always thinking about the eternal souls of our fellow Christians. We'll want to be concerned about putting knowledge and love together. May you and I always be concerned not about just taking advantage of those Christian freedoms that maybe we know we have, but always concerned about how my actions are going to reflect on the faith of someone else. Whether those other Christians are weak or strong in their faith. So we'd ask God for his help so that we'd never do something that would hurt or harm a fellow Christian in his faith, but that we'd always act in love so that our brothers and sisters in Christ would be always drawn closer to our Savior and to his grace and his mercy and love. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the Christian freedom we have in Christ. Help us to never use any of our freedoms in a way that would hurt or harm our fellow Christians. Rather, help us to always be working to build up and strengthen the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always.